this heaven? No. It's Iowa. Thank you so much for being here. We just, before we get started on the podcast, can we just agree on some ground rules? Can we do that? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Wow. So can we just keep all the conversations about movies just civil and light and fun? We're here to have a good time. Can we just keep the tone down? And two, if we disagree, can we just agree that my takes the correct ones and yours the wrong one? Can we agree on that? Yeah, let's go get a drink and smoke a cigarette. Yeah, wow. Okay. We're talking Darjeeling Limited on the Pot of Dreams. I think we have a chance to make this kind of a life-changing experience, and I think we need it. I want us to become brothers again like we used to be. You're the two most important people in the world to me. This is incredible! Why haven't we spoken in a year? Because we don't trust each other. Is that my belt? Can I borrow it? I want us to be completely open and say yes to everything, even if it's shocking and painful. Do you have any questions? I do. Okay, go ahead. What happened to your face? I don't know. I guess the train's lost. What'd he say? He says the train's lost. How can a train be lost? It's on rails. What's wrong with you? Let me think about that. this place well originally i guess we came here on a spiritual journey you don't love me yes i do i love you too but i'm gonna mace you in the uh, face but that didn't really pan out i wonder if the three of us could have been friends in real life not as brothers but as people we are not two, we are one. to be continued Welcome, everybody, to the Pod of Dreams. If you listen, we will pod. This is Ben and Eric back again. We're still here. We're still doing this. Talking Darjeeling Limited. Darjeeling? Darjeeling is how I say it. Darjeeling. Darjeeling. We we talked about this earlier before we recorded. They never say the name of the train in the movie. It's written, obviously, on the side of it. You see it a bunch of times. I don't know if anybody ever says it. I don't think So, so. Maybe we're pronouncing it completely wrong. I don't know. That's we fine. Have to ask I'm, I'm open to that possibility for sure. Is but, it like a real train? Is there? A, is that like a real thing? I doubt it. Um, yeah, I don't know. Anyways, we're diving into Wes Anderson's film that came out in the year of our Lord, 2007. It's his, what, fourth film? Fifth film? 
It's so it he's done Bottle Rocket, he's done Rushmore, and Steve Life Aquatic. Is that right? I don't think and, that's right. I don't think you have that order correct. I said I think all three of those movies came out before. And World Tenenbaums. I think it's his fifth. But correct, look it up. I'm not going to keep saying yeah, Bottle whatever. Rocket, Rushmore, Tenenbaums, Aquatic, Darjeeling Limited. So it is his fifth. Ooh, 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 you had... Ooh, you had Tannenbaum's after Aquatic, but that's I fine. was just saying ones that came oh, before. Oh, you're just saying that's the names. Okay, I yeah, was just right. no, what, what you the, got the, it. The total. Like yeah. we set the ground rules. World's you're right. biggest Wes Anderson fan yeah. in the world. All right, so this is his fifth outing. I had never seen this one. Right. That's why I picked it. I chose this movie because it's. And I think like it's his him? only movie I've never seen. It's interesting. So I have so completed right. the West. I haven't seen the well, Asteroid, Asteroid City, City is the one film, you haven't seen, okay. which is another reason why I picked. You've it, seen both the animated ones, Fantastic Mr. Fox and Isle of Dogs. Yeah, uh, I don't think I've seen all of Isle of Dogs. Okay, I've seen parts of it certainly, but uh, I have seen all of Mr. Fantastic or Fantastic Mr. Fox. Um, Suffered through. Yeah, I, I'm. I guess I'm a completist on Wes Anderson for the most part. Sounds good. Okay, was there a reason why have you been avoiding this movie because of the? <laughs> Tepid reviews, relatively speaking, for Wes Anderson. I think it well, it came out at a time I was wasn't watching a ton of movies. I was just started law school. Um, got to study, man's got to study. Get distracted by I trivialities. Think the cast probably turned me off initially. Okay. Knowing that it stars the two stars, Adrian Brody and Jason Schwartzman, are two actors that I am not a huge fan of. Just okay overall. Uh, so that's probably why I skipped it. Okay. Um, Wes Anderson was one of those guys, like you know, college friends. All, we were just always watching Wes Anderson movies. Everybody loved Rushmore, and I I loved Tannenbaum's and Life. I mean, they were just always around his movies. But I think I skipped this just because of the cast, and it okay. didn't look great to me. And it just sort of, you know, I had never never watched it. And it's not streaming anywhere. I had to I had to rent it. I don't know if you did too. Yeah, I had to rent it as well. It's yeah. fine. Um. So, but I think this movie does just what Wes Anderson, I think, does better than just about any filmmaker is the mixture of comedy and like heartfeltness, if that's not even a word, but like tenderness and touching. The dramedy is a a simple way of saying it. It's. Yeah, I mean, it's not so much. The humor with the pathos. Sure, I get what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. And I think this movie is in that that range. Um, It's not as. It doesn't do it as well as like Tenenbaums. I think Tenenbaums is like a perfect movie. Um, yeah, this was the second one I saw. I think I saw Tenenbaums and then this. And I really didn't like it in the wake of Tenenbaums because it's not anywhere near as good as Tenenbaums. It's I not. Think. No, I mean, it doesn't have the ensemble the way Tenenbaums, or actually the way most of his movies do. It's really more in line with Bottle Rocket. And and I, I think Bottle Rocket's like maybe his second best movie. I wow, really early like Anderson. You're, yeah. you're on the you're front it's great. Okay, It's so great. Okay. Um, but the, the the other thing that jumped out to me about this movie is is so I know Wes Anderson grew up with the Wilson brothers. Like they grew up in the same town, like grade school, high school, and this movie really felt like he was kind of working through his relationship with the Wilson brothers. And it's also this movie's also basically what it's like having a brother. You know the challenges, the coolness of it, like. It's just one of the best movies about having a brother. Oh, whoa. Okay. Well, so I don't have a brother. Um, so none none of that hit for me at all. So, yeah, uh, maybe it worked more on me because of that. But 
I, I mean, I, this is this is still uh, upon a rewatch, it's still my least favorite Anderson movie. Really? By by several metrics, by really? several meters. You did not yeah. enjoy it. I didn't. I didn't like the characters, and I don't hate them, but they didn't do anything for me. They're these like rich guys who have tons of money to just go on this trip. And at no point am I like engaged with their emotional struggle. I don't care that Adrian Bodie is worried about having a kid. I don't care about Jason Schwartzman's weird commitment issues or whatever's going on. I don't care about Owen. I mean, I don't know or meet their dad ever, and I don't care that he was. I don't care about their relationship with Angelica Houston and her thing. Like. At no point did I ever connect or care about what was happening to characters, even like on a minimal level. Well, their dad is dead, right? Yeah, he died. He dies like a year before the movie starts. Yeah. Um, so we, we get a flashback to the funeral. Um, I don't know, two-thirds of the way through, whenever it is. Um, but but I, the mom I was never... didn't come to the funeral. Correct. And they the... like the whole thing is that yeah, they want yeah. to ultimately... Owen Wilson wants to confront the mom about why she didn't come. Um, they dupes his brothers into going but i look at them like they're absurdly rich the whole time and i kept thinking of it's just sometimes you are you and i brains are so different because I, I kept thinking of a new leaf you know the walter Matthau movie we watched a while ago that you didn't like and that movie is clearly to me being satirical about his wealth and how his wealth has rendered him useless and stupid and incapable of empathy or like basic human functioning because he's been so rich for so long he just can't do it and everything's a big satire, and and the, his arc is that he gets just a minimal enough amount of empathy and connection that he doesn't kill his wife, which is a very dark black comedy. Here, I'm, I'm, am I supposed to empathize with these guys? I mean, they're in this country with all this poverty, and he has like a three thousand dollars shoe. They're really nice, and they're like inconsiderate the whole time. They buy stuff. Um, they always have like staff working for them. I think. Wait, am I supposed to like care about what these guys are doing? Well, it's like te- like Royal Tenenbaum in that movie. He's that same way. I mean, he plays on characters like that in a lot of his movies. Uh, sure. The Bill Murray character in Life Aquatic is that same thing. Like I, I haven't seen Life Aquatic, but it, it, yeah, it's not the characters themselves. It's, it's the contrast. It's part of the problem. I mean, they're going through India. There's lots of people that have like zero money, and I'm supposed to like be connected to these rich people who were never called out on their wealth. It's just, look, it's sad that they lost their dad and their mom didn't come to the funeral and well, yeah, maybe so, they're emotionally stunted. Okay. Yeah, I mean, because their their dad was wealthy. I mean, I don't think we're supposed to believe that they're super successful. I mean, it's... I, Jason Schwartzman just travels around Europe with whose money? I mean... His dad's. I mean, he's, uh, he's no. a writer, but he's not, he's not like a famous writer. Oh, that's I mean, fine. They're like emotionally stunted young men. Like, they're... Sure. I actually think of it a lot like Wes Anderson. I don't know if you ever watched um, Succession at all, but like the the joke in that show is like these these rich wealthy people are stunted and they don't they don't know how to live in the real world, you know. And I think Wes Anderson does that a lot with his movies. Like he plays on those same types of characters. Like that is what Royal Tenenbaums is about. All those characters are wealthy, but they don't understand how to just be humans and deal with their own emotions and i think that's what he's doing in this i don't know you're right i think the setting probably hurts it a little bit because i mean there is a little cultural conflict where you have these white people just like going through india and experiencing this culture and not really giving a fuck about it and like destroying things and breaking things and you know fucking women and like don't really care about what their consequences of their actions you're right i mean i but i mean they don't there's no I one. think that's like a Wes Anderson thing, though. He's the, all of his movies have that. 
That's fine, but part. it works better in different contexts. And like, like Grand Budapest is filled with like ass. Adrian Brody's always that in like every Wes Anderson movie. Well, but the heroes of Grand Budapest Hotel is not the rich people. Um, it's sure Ray Fiennes and the other like you know bag boy, house boy, whatever his title is in the movie. Um, uh, those are the protagonists, and it's about the anyway. I, I think it's different, but you're, I mean, yes, people are rich in Royal Tenenbaums, but even then, when you look at like Gene Hackman's character. He eventually gets called out for his crappy behavior, right? He gets called out by Danny Glover, like, my wife had stomach cancer, sure shit wasn't eating no cheeseburgers, right? And when he gets called out for lying because he wants attention and connection with his family. Um, and you, you see, yes, he's there, and you see his cons- the consequences of his actions. And it's just, it's a better way of looking at a stunted, shitty father, to, to me, Royal Tenenbaums, by far. Like, insofar as it's the brother thing, again, I, it just that just doesn't land with me, because I, I, I've never had that, but you see the consequences of uh, of the rich father who you're wasn't able to be there and the ripple effect it has in Royal Tenenbaums is much better. And I, I laugh in Royal Tenenbaums and I like those characters more than this, you know? Um, I don't know. It, it's just, I'm constantly looking at all these people who are enduring is really hot. And there's just like, at no point, any, no consequences for that. I mean, they're able to like rip up a ticket, right? Like they buy a ticket from India to wherever they're going to fly to. And they have such a, such amount of money they can rip it up. I don't know. I'm just like, am I? I'm supposed to think that's heroic. I guess they're connecting. Just it just never works for me. I don't well, know. They, I, they try to save those kids too. I mean, I think that that's, that's the choice of the movie I like the most. And that's I like put that in one there to dies. make you care about them. You know. Yeah, yeah. That's it's the best sequence in the movie to me. Like for a second, they experience something close to reality, but then that doesn't even last because really the kid dies so that Adrian Brody can kind of understand and be excited for having a kid. Um, and he, like, that's how he comes to terms with it. And he's pretty happy pretty quickly. And he smiles when he's invited to the funeral. I'm like, am I happy for him that he's invited to the funeral? I don't know. Not really. He is, he's happy about it. But like, don't uh, they start out when they see them? They look at those assholes trying to cross the river. Like they, they're yeah. jerks. Like they are just jerks. That's correct. 100% they're jerks the whole time. They they're like, you got to stay in the room. You, you let a snake loose on the train you got you're confined to your room and they don't do that they don't even like pretend like they're going to be confined to their room right they go out when the train stopped and then they go out later and they're kicked out and and then they're literally like throwing rocks at the train for justifiably kicking them off the train i mean they deserve to be kicked off the train i'm not for a second like wow that's really unfair i'm like yeah this guy's got to go and then they throw him like am i happy they're throwing the rocks no and then they get like stranded in the middle of the desert for a while. Like the first time I watched, it's like, man, I would love it if they but had the, to actually like do stuff. If they had honestly, to actually like, like work together. That is every Wes Anderson movie. There are characters like that where they're kind of like all the Wilsons in every one of their movies. They're kind of jerks. They're spoiled brats. But there's something about them that you love, and I oh. I just think it's Wes Anderson's writing, and it's funny, and they're funny. Um, yeah, they're frustrating. Like even in Bottle Racket, like. Owen Wilson's character is aggravating. He doesn't give a shit about other people and he kind of breaks everything and fucks everything up and he's a spoiled brat and they're like rich kids and that too. I don't know. It's not kind of going against it. Like, I mean, I, I'm fine with Rushmore and we get like a, a private school kid who tries really hard to into stuff and that, that can work, but we're only seeing them surrounded by rich people. And I don't know. Um, it, there's just something about the setting and these particular characters that it just didn't resonate with me at all. I sit there and I was like, not on your side and nothing you do really makes me on your side. 
other than I guess you don't watch three kids drowned, but you're not really put in a challenging situation. They never feel a sense of danger or peril or consequences for anything. So it's kind of like, okay, I mean, that's fine. And it works. I mean, his movies aren't always about rich people, especially later on. Uh, Moonrise Kingdom is just about some nerdy kid. You know, Fantastic Mr. Fox is about a fox. Isle Dogs. But those is, are way lesser Anderson movies, though, if you ask me. Well, I know. You and I disagree. And this is this is where I, I think I like his later stuff. When, more he, than I like when his he goes way stuff. too childish is when I think he, lo- he loses his edge a little bit. I don't know. Oh, see, I, and I like the animated ones because they're more interesting to look at. I didn't, I didn't enjoy looking at this movie very much. I mean, some of the settings are really oh, nice. Oh, super it's, cool. You know, yeah. like, I, the train's a cool place, like, when they get to some of those places in India. Like, I think it looks amazing. Out in the oh. desert, like, the scene where they're running down that hill, where those three actors were, like, sprinting down that hill, looks cool as shit. Oh, I, I disagree. This is, like, one of his least interesting to look at visually. The, and the slow... This, Wes Anderson is so good at the slow motion with, like, some fucking awesome song, like the Kinks, the Stranger song, like, when they're walking slow motion to the funeral. It's just great. He's so good at that. I, I'll watch... Well, I'll he's, watch great at, he's great at picking out music? Picking out great songs, slow motion, like, this, the, the when it happens in the movie... Like when that musical needle drop hits, is it's always perfect. Oh, see, when they're having the silent emotional exchange, the, the three boys and the mother, did that sequence work for you when they're no? Okay. Okay. The, the Angelica Houston stuff did not work for me. Like once they got there, it was like, I wish they would just have never made it there. I think it would have been better. Well, that's true. I think I do agree with that. I think. But ultimately, they don't learn anything i mean or they, oh, they don't they learn something they learn one thing at the end they of the don't day, resolve they, the issues no they, they leave their baggage it's literal and metaphorical yeah. when they have to do the, the bengal right. whatever like they have to drop their baggage so that they can actually enjoy the train and the experience of being on the train okay that's fine it's it's not much but it's something i guess you yeah, know? it's this sort of metaphorical journey on the train they leave their baggage and then they behind. go and they do the same thing they redo it but this time they have fun and are able to like just enjoy the experience and not hash out all this yeah, shit. Yeah, I think I that's it. good. It, it's that's touching. <laughs> and the writing's not horrible. Funny, I mean, and it's fun. You didn't think it was funny at all? I laughed I didn't laugh. Times. I smiled once. I love you, but I'm going to mace you in the face. It's the only time I laughed. I, well, that was it. When they had the fight and he has to... Or pepper spray or whatever. I'm going to spray pepper spray you in the face. That was the only time I smiled. I never laughed once. No, I, I, part I, of and I, like I said, I'm not usually a sportsman guy, but when he kept telling when he kept reading his story and he would the, they would say hey that's not how it happened he's like all, all my characters are are not based on anyone in real life like okay yeah like i thought that was funny oh see i was uh, like also i think speaking I to it, Anderson about his characters in his movies like are basically the people in his real life sure like, there's that's some fine. meta meta thing about that I, I love that idea as a writer as an artist um that resonated with me too but I mean, we don't even like and, and comparing it to the Royal Tenenbaums. I think that's probably the the best comparison of like, and I've not seen Bottle Rocket, um, or Life Aquatic, or Life Aquatic. So I, I don't know. I mean, I'm 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 out of, out of luck on those comparisons. But Royal Tenenbaums. Well, do you is, like Royal Tenenbaums? Is I that... love Royal Tenenbaums. Okay. I think it's great. Of his early stuff, it's and you my love favorite. Rushmore too. You you like that? I like Rushmore a lot. I wouldn't say I love it. I, I think it's really good. Okay. I like it a lot. But, but I, Grand I don't Budapest like it is like one of your favorite the last ten years, right? Like. It's, you know, no? it's I think it's his best by far. I it, of my of of the last ten years, you know me, Eric. I would have to sit and think. Okay, what are the last ten years? Would it be one okay. of my top? Maybe, 
it'd be in consideration. For the sake sure. of brevity, it, it, yes, it's, sure. It's I one know. you liked a lot in the last ten years. I think it's an incredible movie. It's his visually most interesting by a, mil- a million miles. It's incredible what he does with the aspect ratios and how he films certain sequences. Um, See, there, I don't like the Ray Fiennes guy. Like, I don't like that character. He does, see, I, like him I, don't, a lot. I don't connect with him personally in any way. So I see. I, I endure and, and admire how much he likes the Grand Budapest Hotel and the stuff he goes to keep the hotel going. Um, I find it endearing. Um, and just his general demeanor and persona. I don't know. It, it works for me in a way. These guys, I, I wasn't with these guys. It's just like flip for me with Ray Fiennes and the houseboy. And I just, it's great. It works for me. Top, top to bottom. Um, I haven't seen the dispatch, the French dispatch either. So that's one I haven't seen. Really want to see Asteroid City, but um, I like when he gets when he adds when he gets better visually as a director. But I think this to me is like the dead end of like okay, I've kind of done the a version of this movie, these movies before, yeah, and this is him like bottoming me out with this stuff. There are things like when they're walking down the hallway where they're like clearly on some sort of track or something like that is you're only going to see that visual in a Wes Anderson movie where they're like talking at each other and they're, it's like, he's like playing with action figures, but they're humans, you know, sure. Whatever visual effect he's doing, like, I don't know, is it dolly zoom? I don't know what it is, but like, that's a thing only Wes Anderson does. Like it feels I oh, love, the snap zoom was like was great at the beginning. Wes like, Anderson it, to me is like Tim Burton, where it's like you're in that dude's fucking head, like you are literally seeing what he sure. sees in his brain, and nobody else is. And he he is to me is like why AI just throw that shit in the garbage because AI would never make something like this. And now again, you maybe don't love it, and that's fine. But like, and I love Wes Anderson in a general sense. So if it sounds like I don't, it's not. I mean, to me, this there's is no just other like, movie like this. No other filmmaker like Wes Anderson. Uh, no, he's, Burton, he's a singular I voice. I agree. No, I, I agree with all that. And the movie starts with like, you get a panning shot of whatever city in India we're in. I don't know. But then it snap zooms onto a taxi and Bill Murray's in the back and he's like looking at his watch and he's, he's in a rush. Uh, and it really, yeah, it goes from the sky, literally like snap right down, down to that specific. And it's a great shot. And um, I see Bill Murray like, okay, I'm with Bill Murray, but then he doesn't pay the cab driver. And then he's like pushing past people. And I'm like, okay, what could he possibly need to make this train that's so important? Why well, I, I was supposed to think he's got a really good reason, and he doesn't. I don't. Well, we don't know his reason. We don't Maybe know because Adrian Brody beats him to it, and another great like slow motion kink song. It's fucking awesome. That's fine. It's, it's, it's an okay intro. He loves the Kinks. Boy, there's like three Kinks songs. And the Rolling Stones. I mean, to me, oh, it's he like... He always the, has the Rolling Stones song in his movies. Some of metaphors, yeah. like, he, we get playing with fire towards the end. I'm like, okay, it's, this is a perfectly good song, but it's not Ruby Tuesday. It's not the Ruby Tuesday song from Royal Tenenbaums. Um, I mean, there's just like nothing that this movie does to me that the Royal Tenenbaums doesn't do a billion times better. And then after this, I think he next jumps off to Fantastic Mr. Fox and does the animated stuff, and I just think he starts to get a lot better and more visually daring and compelling. However good he is here, he's going to get better, I think, visually as a director. Yeah, Moon, um, Moonrise think, Kingdom is his next live, like, live-action movie, and that's five years later, so... And I think that one's more interesting. I mean, I think that one's really good to look at. I, I love the... But I the have setting, only so. seen that once. That's one that I probably should rewatch. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I no, I think it's great. I think he, just, I like- he fills his movies with dudes I don't... Like, Edward Norton is now, like, a 
Wes Anderson guy, and like I'm not a big like Adrian Brody, Wes Anderson. You have and a lot of actors Paul, on your shit list. Can we just comment? You Paul have Rudd. a really long shit Once list. Once Paul Rudd shows up in a Wes Anderson movie, I'm gonna fucking lose my mind. Okay. Because he will. You know he will. But yeah, Schwartzman, Brody, and Ed Norton are probably three like actors I just am not big fans of. But it wasn't a problem for you in this movie. No, actually. I, I found them somewhat likable. Although the stuff what, is, with, what did you like about them? Just that they were all brothers and the they dummies. Were yeah, I don't know. I, the, it, in a likable way, like Dumb and Dumber, right? So Dumb and Dumber, those guys are fucking assholes. They they screw over everybody they interact. But they're assholes because they're too they're too stupid to know. I think that I think that's what these guys are. These guys are too dumb to realize that they're assholes. I, I, I think they're too privileged to know what big of assholes they are, which is a big difference to me. Maybe. And, and Dumb and Dumber is a clearly like a broad comedy. And we're supposed to know that these guys are idiots and we're laughing at them pretty much throughout the entire movie. I mean, Owen Wilson is supposed to be a fuck-up in this movie. He always plays they're a fuck-up. They're all fuck-ups to their own yeah. degree. Um, but Owen Wilson is the biggest fuck-up, but he also raised them and he's controlling and they, they have their dynamic. Um, and that's but, the stuff I loved about, like, when you have a brother, there are things, like, you love the person, but you fucking hate them sometimes. Like, they do things that, like... They see you as a little kid, or you see them as a little kid when you're not little kids. You're adults, and it changes everything. So, I, and I love that they address that in this movie. I, I really appreciated that. Sure, sure, and that's. I mean, but I didn't. I didn't love the Schwartzman stuff with the woman on the train. Like, oh, he's, that he's rapey. Gross. It's oh, very, very rapey. rapey. I didn't love and it. He, he like hangs back and lies about it, and. I mean, it seemed like she was into him, but also that didn't totally add up to me. Like, why? Why would she be into this, like, little tiny kind of asshole dude? Like, a, I don't know. On a train she never wrote the before. movie, and he just wanted that to be Kid the Case. Um, yeah, I don't know. He hasn't buy it. Yeah, I don't know. Like, what, like, what does Schwartzman add to anything he's ever been in that you couldn't, like, Find a, any other. Can actual. you imagine Swar- Rushmore working without Sportsman? Only because he's like twelve. Like that's okay. the only reason that works. There's a certain kind of annoying energy that's required for that part. I mean, he's playing a character who's kind of annoying um, in Rushmore. I mean, I think that's the point. Okay, excluding Rushmore. Okay. Okay. Well, I'll take that. I'll take that concession. I don't know what else is he in, other than Wes Anderson movies. That's a good, that's a fair point. I don't. I he don't co-wrote know. the movie, right? So he gets a writing credit really? for this. I oh, think okay. so. I think he saw that he had a he had a writing credit for this. Um, so he's been a writer. Um, he's so also Francis of, Ford Coppola's nephew, right? Isn't he? Uh, yeah. I think you co-wrote this with one Nicholas of the Coppola Cage's brothers. cousin. Yeah. Sure. That's fine. I mean, I you know I don't think the writing's terrible. It's just for me subjectively, I was never in. I was never with them. I wanted them to maybe experience some consequence. But the only like thing is like, oh, we're just going to be shitty assholes together, hooray! I mean, they didn't and, do anything terrible. Okay, they no, bought a no, snake onto a yeah, but nobody got hurt. That, that, that's got... dumb luck. That's dumb luck. That's they somebody easily could have gotten bitten by the snake. If one of them had gotten bitten by the snake and died, and then they had to actually like reconcile that, or if they really seemed to be wrestling with the boy who died, it might work if they could actually grow just like these tiny stability to peek outside of their own whiny stuff. And they're just so mopey from the get-go. They're just so mopey. And it's just tough. Um, they're surrounded by people who aren't mopey and people who are actually uh, they're rude to the German women. And I don't know. 
Like they just they just didn't have. I don't know. So uh, you've seen all the Wes Anderson movies except for Asteroid City. Are the animated ones at the bottom of the list for you? Uh, Isle of Dogs would be. Okay. Um, I, Fantastic Mr. Fox is pretty good. I, I don't. I'd have a hard time putting that at the bottom. Okay. Um, I'm just trying to think of where Rushmore you, I mean, would probably be my least favorite of his oh, movies. Oh, really? Just the Schwartzman factor. I do, what does that movie say? Like, what is the what is that movie saying about anything? <laughs> well, I wonder what Darjeeling Limited is saying about it's anything. About the challenges of brotherhood. I don't it's know. A, I don't know. It's a uh, Jason Schwartzman has to grow up and realize he can't have some things. Uh, he can be friends with but people. He's a kid. That, he's a high schooler, right? Isn't yeah. he sixteen or whatever? I think so. Yeah. Something like that. And he wants the teacher, and then the teacher dating Bill Murray, who is his friend. You can just grow up mature a little bit sometimes you're not going to get what you want even if you're a really try hard type a weirdo um and i don't know more bill murray's going to help me if we got very little bill murray in this movie more bill murray would have made the movie better from my vantage point um hmm. i don't know I, I really like life aquatic that's but i mean ten of bombs. So we'd have to work for, work from ten and bombs down i would say ten and bombs probably bottle rocket two probably okay. aquatic three um, maybe Budapest four. Okay. Uh, this probably five. Wow. Okay. Dispatch six. Uh, and then the animated ones, then Moonrise Kingdom, and then Rushmore maybe. Wow. Uh, okay. Did I skip any? Um, I think I got them all. I don't know. I think that's it. Did you say Fantastic Mr. Fox? I said the animated ones. I kind oh, of grouped them together. Oh, okay, because I thought you said Isle of Dogs would yeah. be okay. Would well, be maybe the maybe but, Fantastic Fox, then I then then Rushmore, then Isle of the Dogs. Let's oh go wow, ahead. okay. Oh wow, okay. Yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, you and I. I mean, we're we're not that far off. I I mean, World Ten was probably number two of this like jaded, disengaged, rich people who can't actually emote movies like. That's my favorite of those by far. Um, but I do like Grand Budapest Hotel more than that. And then it would probably be what well, gets tough. Um, so you're not, you're really not that big of a fan of his as a filmmaker. What? I don't know why you're getting that. Uh, that's why you, the impression I'm getting from our discussion here. I'm that's not correct. I don't like this movie. This movie to me is like his worst instincts and the worst version of a Wes Anderson movie. I don't think you'll like Life Aquatic that that much then. Okay. It's it's in a very similar vein as as this. But I love Royal Tenenbaums, and I think it's great. I I think a lot, but... Roger Ebert says of DeJarling Unlimited, better film than Life Aquatic, warmer, more engaging, funnier, and very surrounded by India. That notion of perplexing charm. Oh, okay. So this was to me like Eat, Pray, Love with jaded rich white dudes is what this was to me um just rich white guys go on a train and try to find themselves by being jerks well, they're um, trying to find their mom well they know where she is and she says that she doesn't want to see him um and only one of them really cared and he lied to get his brothers on the train anyway um but yes they do decide to confront her and have a very awkward confrontation where somehow like they're at some mission and she makes them this really fancy breakfast like what? You had all that stuff on hand to make that breakfast? 
That's your mission? What, what, what's that about? Um, no, I mean, I, I, you, you and I are just different. The ones I, I mean, I like Moonrise Kingdom would print maybe be three or four. I have to decide between Moonrise Kingdom and the animated ones are, are like, get all the humor, um, all the quirky characters, um, and they're way more fun to look at. I love looking at Fantastic Mr. Fox and its absurdity and Isle of Dogs I like way more than you. Those are probably my top five in some order. Um, and then it'd be some of the earlier ones would be like Rushmore. Um, you know, and then that's that's it for the ones I've seen, I guess. And then Darjeeling. I, I mean, didn't I, quite understand. So at the end of the movie, we see, so they, they get they get on another, do they get back on the Darjeeling and limit, limited train? They get on a different train, right? It's a different change. The Bengal Tiger. The Bengal but that train something. has Bill Murray on it, right? And also like Natalie Portman, which I think is supposed to be. Aaron I thought Brooks. they were on Dar- the Darjeeling Limited, so I thought we. Do got, they cross? Do they cross trains? Is that what happens? Maybe I don't know. I think we see the Darjeeling Limited, and we see all these people in the train, including Bill Murray, Adrian Brody's wife, the Tiger. Is that Natalie the, Portman, or is because isn't she pregnant on the train? Uh, we see we see his wife who is very pregnant on the train, but it's not Natalie Portman. We, so we is Natalie Portman supposed to be Jason Schwartzman's ex girlfriend? Maybe because that, he's like broken up because his girlfriend broke up with him. Is that's that it. who she's that's supposed right. to be? That must be it. I, I was wondering who she was. I, yeah, I think I think you're right. Actually, I think that's who it is. Because it's like a I British was confused. Woman. I didn't under, like, I, I remember reading. I think one of the clues last last episode was. That Natalie Portman was in, and I was like, "When is she in this movie?" And it was just like thirty seconds of her yeah, just running by on a train. Yep. Yeah, that's right. That's the ex-girlfriend of uh, Jason Schwartzman's character. Um, but I mean, you know, I don't know. It just feels like India's there to help these dudes find themselves in a way that's just inauthentic, and they never they had to actual feel real consequences or were in actual danger or had to like do stuff to actually bond rather than just talk through their feelings on a bunch of drugs i think i needed more drugs actually i would have turned this into fear and loathing in a certain way would have been a better movie so they could be just really mean to like wait yeah they should have just been meaner and more fucked up on drugs it would have been a better movie yeah i mean i'll concede though like yeah i don't have a brother so maybe it does capture the essence of brotherhood in a way i you know i can't relate to I can't think of brotherhood movies off the top of my head, though. Um, well, so I know. dumb and dumb. I mean, do, dude bro movies, but not like well, actual brothers. Yeah. All right. I mean, there's stepbrothers, which I mean, is a funnier movie than this by far and sillier. Well, yeah. Okay. I, I concede that point. But I, but like to me, you, you mentioned about his ability to balance like the humor with the, the genuine heartfelt emotions. To me, I didn't get either one of this movie. I didn't get the emotions or the comedy. I just kind of watched these dudes like, okay, I guess good for you guys doing your thing. Um, A.O. Scott from New York Times said, unstingingly fussy, vain, and self-regarding, but it's also a treasure, an odd, flawed, but nonetheless beautiful handmade object. As apt to win affection as to provoke annoyance. Okay. I I got mostly the annoyance part, but I see it. I see it. Sure. Um, but it's like, I mean, I think like Quentin Tarantino has a distinct style, right? He's a singular voice. Um, but sometimes it just gets a little too, ooh. You like shut death, your mouth. Death Proof is like, okay, it's fine. Death Proof's not a bad movie by any means, but it's like, okay. It's very Tarantino. It's just, we just kind of, 
See, I think that's one of his least Tarantino movies. That's more Robert Rodriguez than it is Tarantino. But that's that's purely it's just his movie. Robert had nothing to do with it. They did the double feature where they came out together. Yeah, but that's they a marketing thing. Involved. That'd be like you and me directing. No, they were definitely movie. involved in in the movies together. I, I disagree. It's a lot of these like nuanced, bizarre takes about music, really extended deconstruction of things. It stars a stunt man who is so good at surviving crashes he deliberately does crashes a stunt woman ends up stopping the stunt man isn't he a psychopathic killer though too of course he's the villain of the movie yeah for sure but you know we don't find that out until halfway through when he kills it's not, it, it's not difference is not a good movie it, oh i it, i don't well, I, but yeah it's it's probably my lowest ranking tarantino oh, movie by that far. or hateful eight like hateful, hateful probably, eight is a thousand times better than death proof i think that's fine, but I mean, those are movies where it's like, okay, you get a little, little Tarantino-y, it gets a little silly, and we're kind of treading on, on ground you've kind of already tread before in a silly kind of way. And, and that's how I feel about this. Like, all right, you've been doing this kind of thing for a while, and to me, it, it feels stale, and then it gets visually interesting. You know what's weird for me about Wes Anderson, right? Is his movies, does he have a hit movie? Like, I think... I think Grand Budapest is actually his highest grossing movie. But yeah, that like, movie was talked this, about a lot. This made it made thirty five million on a seventeen million dollar budget, which is sure. a profit, I guess. Maybe, probably not a whole lot when you consider all. It's a all small that. profit. That's fine. I don't. How much was this movie average? I don't think the marketing budget. Probably not much. Was, but like, okay, so it doubled its budget, but it's a small budget, and it like. But my point is, there are so few of those movies that come out nowadays. Like mid-tier, it's not going to be a big hit. They know it's not going to be a big hit. I mean, did Asteroid City do well? I, I, actually, I just pulled it up. So, so far, it's made like $40 million worldwide. So, And, and what, what mean, did it cost to make Asteroid City? Uh, ba, 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 budget, budget, budget. Don't have it here. Um, I, mean, I think your broader point that, that we need more movies like this. I mean, there are horror movies that do this. Usually, you get like you can get a cheap horror movie that'll pop off for $50 million. And you're like, oh, okay. We spent yeah, fifteen horror, million. Horror to make movies, it. you see that a lot, where the, could, it costs very little, and sometimes they make a ton of money. This is but, a lesson I wish studios would take away. Like, we don't have to try to spend six hundred million dollars to try to make a one and a half billion dollar movie. Like, so have your movies so cost Asteroid less. City has twenty five million, is what it has. See, it's, ar- it's already, money. it's almost certainly in the green at this point. Yeah. Anything else after this is all profit. I don't think and that doesn't, I mean, digital or they sell it to a streamer or something like that. Like, yeah, on top of that. Sure. That, and that's fine. That, that's totally fine. But, like, Nolan is, he's a auteur. He, he writes and directs his movies. But, like, his movies cost, like, $200 million and they need to make, like, a billion for it to be profitable. Whereas, like, Wes Anderson is on such a smaller scale. His movies cost $10 million and they need to make 30 You know what I mean? And they usually well, he, do. Well, we need more of those. Yeah, I mean, there yes, should be a thousand I, like that. I mean, that should be every movie that comes out is the, that kind of the shit. The movies that are trying to hit a home run should be, should be like Tom Cruise and Christopher Nolan and maybe like two other people should be making the like massive budget movies that know how to do it. Like Mission Impossible probably costs a lot to make, but it's going to be a lot of practical effects. It's going to be very exciting, well made. And you're like, oh, I see why the budget was so high and they worked really hard to make it visually exciting and thrilling and to see in a the theater. Great. But that's, a, that's Jones. a plus to cheaper. Wes Anderson. His movies are all seem practically made. There's like sets and set designing and costume. Like Grand Budapest, like 
how was that not a hundred million dollar movie? But it wasn't. It probably cost thirty to make. He yeah. he must be just like very good at constructing these sets and using the budget because yeah, like you yeah. see some of these Netflix movies that come out and they're like three hundred million dollars to make Red Notice or whatever these fucking stupid movies that extract are. or whatever. Where, like yeah, them. where is this money going? When, really when shitty West, CGI. When really Wes shitty. Anderson can build yeah. these entire worlds for like ten million dollars, it's yeah, crazy. Wes Anderson's. I mean, there I mean, aren't that Aquatic many is like, as good is as Wes Anderson. a fucking submarine, but it's like it's a submarine that's actually like a, I don't know, uh, looks like a playhouse. It's so crazy what that what he does visually with that movie, but it I don't know probably costs fifteen million dollars to make that. Insane. Somebody needs to learn from Wes Anderson how to make how to make a movie. Like he should just be the godfather of how to make movies because like these Netflix, like, and you know, now we're talking about all these streamers losing money and studios have like, it's cause they're throwing fucking $300 million at right. They're all trying to swing to the and, fence every right. time. And they're striking out or they're hitting like an infield they're putting single. Ryan Reynolds in like $500 million movies. Like, what are you doing? You could make 20 Wes Anderson movies for that cost, right? Seriously. And you'd make probably make way more money. Yeah, no, I, that's that really should be like Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny is, is probably going to lose money just because it costs so much money to make. Like, it just why? Movie has, why does it cost so much? It why shouldn't. Did, I, I agree, it shouldn't cost that much to make. I, I I am fine with budgets and restrictions. I'm I'm very much like, hey, this is it. You got to make it work with this. Be creative. This is the money you get. Make it work. And yeah, that's going to be a little bit constricting, but you got to be creative within that confines. Not going to just throw money at visual effects. That's just CGI is not that good. It's really not that good in 2023 to be doing that. Um, like Wes Anderson's a guy. Is he ever going to win an Oscar? Probably not. Grand Budapest Hotel is probably his closest best bet. Um, Asteroid City actually did win. Grand Budapest did win some Oscars. Well, yeah, I mean it was it was one four is what I'm seeing here. Yeah, but like yeah, like Grand Budapest cost. Let's see. Budget was budget was twenty five. It made one hundred and seventy million. Like that's his biggest, most successful movie. And that movie is incredible to look at. That's, but see, that's that it only savvy. cost twenty five million dollars to make that movie is crazy. And that's a massive hit. You made whatever that is six times its budget approximately. Right. And again, Easily it probably profitable. didn't have it probably didn't yeah. have a massive budget. It's a movie like the film nerds are going to talk about this. We don't really have to spend. 20 million advertising Grand Budapest Hotel. Yeah, hugely uh, profitable. Yeah, I, I, for virtually, yeah, most filmmakers aren't as good as Wes Anderson, but yeah, it's be restrictive. Say, like, you want to make an action movie? It's fine. Here's your budget. Um, we're not going to just throw money, like, just make it work. Be creative. You know, yeah. Figure out how to how to do this with this little money. But yeah, it's yeah. it's mid tier Wes Anderson. I think I'd probably give it three and a half, maybe four stars because I just like Wes Anderson so much. Um, yeah, I would okay. say four, probably four stars. Uh, uh, see, I give this two. I mean, that's subjective. I mean, it's not. It's he's a an excellent filmmaker, and and it's is also relative to other Wes Anderson movies. So I'm not not a fan of Wes Anderson movies. This is just probably the worst of his tendencies without a bunch of other stuff to offset it or make it better. Um. I mean, the, it, it's just not. There's just nothing there for me to grasp onto. There's no comeuppance for any of these characters. There's no real emotional reckoning. The only emotional reckoning we get is they confront their mom, who says, 
let's do a reset. And then they silently look at each other and project positive vibes to each other. Um, and it's tough because you're seeing these people exist, not in a Wes Anderson world. That's the thing is a lot of Wes Anderson's movies feel self-contained. I don't know if Life Aquatic feels that way because it's on a sub or not. This didn't feel self-contained. This felt like Wes Anderson characters going out into reality because you're seeing actual humans exist that aren't in Wes Anderson movies. They're just out and about living their life. Um, and that's part of the contrast that I think makes it not work. Usually they feel very insular. Royal Tenenbaums feels insular. Rushmore feels insular. There's, it, you're in this space. You're right. You were in his vision. You were in his head living out this fantasy, but it's like he took his vision out to India. And you're like, wait, but these guys are whining about stuff, but look at who has to deal with all their stuff. And uh, look at this. These are people who are actually impoverished. And it, to me, it just doesn't, doesn't work as well, but it's not a bad. Would you like it more if they were searching for these lost crystals to return to the village and Kalima was there? It'd probably be more fun. I'd have a clear rooting interest. Um, There'd be probably some evil Hindu cult leader that needs to die. There'd probably be a really fun minecart ride, a, an insane, you know, dinner that doesn't make any actual sense. A scene with bugs crunching and uh, people almost getting smashed, hearts getting pulled out but still beating, you know, that kind of stuff. Should have um, had that. Are you foreshadowing, Eric? You're uh, your five degrees of uh, no, the dreams. No, okay. not at all. Okay. I foreshadowed it earlier, though. I'll, oh, wow. I'll okay. Should we move on to that? Well, let's do it. Okay. All right, I'll start. Uh, so, Owen Wilson is in the Darjeeling, Darjeeling Limited. Darjeeling is how Darjeeling. And I, I love Owen Wilson. Big fan of his. Sure. I, he, he just makes me laugh. He always has. Always will. Did he make you laugh in Loki? Did you ever see Loki? I don't know if I watched Loki. Probably. I don't think you'd like. You would hate Loki, I think, but he's in it. Maybe oh no, I like did watch. Scene. Yeah, it was stupid. It was so okay. dumb. Did he make you laugh in Loki? No, it was such okay. a waste. <laughs> but there's another example, right? Like, how much do you think Loki just that one season of like six episodes costs? Probably like five hundred million dollars or some stupid amount of money. Well, I think about this. Secret Wars was released on Disney Plus, starring Samuel L. Jackson, right? One of the biggest names ever. Have you watched Secret Wars? I watched the first episode. Secret oh, wow. Invasion, okay. I think is what it is. Or Secret Invasion, sorry. Yeah. Well, so that, then, okay, I, I had no interest. I, I, I've, been, I've been like scrolling Twitter looking for some sort of buzz. Uh, it's like nobody cares. Yeah. Watch the first episode, probably won't finish it. It okay. didn't do much for me. Okay. Well, I don't think it'd do much for me. But anyways, I think a lot of these, I think it must be tax schemes or something, how they're spending all this money. I don't get it. Uh, Owen Wilson is in Wedding Crashers. Sure. Love Wedding Crashers. Vince Vaughn is in Wedding Crashers. He's an anchorman. I tried to do like an all Owen Wilson, but I I couldn't do it. Uh, and then, oh yeah, I, that's right. I was going to go your guy Paul Rudd from Anchorman, but I couldn't connect him. I can't connect him. Couldn't connect him to Field of Dreams in just one movie. Maybe um, missing something. But I went Danny Trejo, who's an anchorman. He's also in Muppets Most Wanted with sure. Ray Liotta, and Ray Liotta's in Field of Dreams. So I went, okay. went some very different actors and movies than I have ever done before. Okay. So I was trying to be quirky and weird. I was going to see, is there a way to get from, like, Wes Anderson and just hop from Wes Anderson movie to get to Field of Dreams? And I could not figure out how to get to Field of Dreams from any 
anybody a, a in a West Indies movie. A direct shot from yeah, that'd be tough. I couldn't. I, I couldn't think of anything. It's yeah. like, did James Earl Jones no, Kevin Costner no, um, Gabby Hoffman no. I thought she was my best bet because she was kind of like a smaller indie. I might have had a bit part somewhere. No. It's like, okay, this isn't going to work. Definitely not Burt Lancaster who wasn't alive. I did see that um, uh, Frank Wally was like thanked or there, he was special thanks to him in, in one of the animated movies. I think it might have been Fantastic oh. Mr. Fox. There's like a special thanks to him. I don't think he did a voice, but if you scroll through IMDb, it's like special thanks to Frank Wally. Weird. Okay. Yeah. So he's like credited in that movie. I didn't get to him though because time was running out. I just was panicking. I'm like, oh man, I got to get to this. It's almost it's almost nine o'clock on a Tuesday. Um, Sweat Woman with Bill Murray. He, he starts the movie off. He's the first character we see. Um, Bill Murray's in a movie called Ghostbusters. You know, I saw something just today that they were you know the commercial in Ghostbusters where they're like, "Have you ever had spectral like you know all sure. that shit?" Sure, yeah. That they recorded yeah. a bunch of different versions because they didn't have the name Ghostbusters initially. It was like the Ghost Hunters or the Ghost killers or like they sure. did a bunch of different versions of it i never did knew you that. see it was this on youtube can you see yeah, the other takes yeah. yeah you can see all like and they're like okay cut now do it again with the different name and so they do it over and over again with like now it's the ghost killers or whatever like that it's like how did you guys not just say this is fucking ghostbusters like what are we doing here guys is it, <laughs> I, I, I guess i can't unhear it like when i hear uh, everything other than ghostbusters it sounds ridiculous well, did you ever see the uh, weird animated cartoon that wasn't like Ghostbusters, the people who hunt ghosts, but was the old like detective serial from a long time? Have you ever seen that? They had things called Let's Go Ghost. You've never heard of that? No. There's like a talking monkey and a transforming car. That's what had the rights or- originally. Um, it was a cartoon from, I don't know if it was, anyway. To the Ghostbusters? So they had to buy the rights? So maybe I that think was so. The- or okay. I don't know, but that, like, they also they had the issue rights- with the also an issue when they wanted to do a Ghostbusters cartoon. They had to call it like the I real Ghostbusters. Cartoon, man. I yeah, me too. I cartoon. don't even remember a lick of it, yeah. but I watched a ton of, ton of it. Had the toys in the late 80s. It's a big deal. Those were when I got those. pretty awesome. Um, but yeah, Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, um, both in Ghostbusters. Dan Aykroyd is in a movie called Temple of Doom. What? You didn't know that Dan Aykroyd's in Temple of Doom? He's not in Temple of Doom. He is in Temple of Doom. Where? Absolutely. So, you know, at the end when they're like in Shanghai, what right, we the, just talked about, holy shit, we were just this whole thing. Correct. That's what's oh, funny. Wow. You. I was accusing you of doing what I was doing. I was just trying to throw you off the scent. Very important. So it's a Shanghai, right? They are. He's with short rounds and whatever the Willie is the woman's name. Willie, I think. Yeah. Uh-huh. They're trying to get it. They're in the streets and they're going up to walk onto the plane. And there's a man doing a British accent. He's, oh, good work, sir. I was able to book you three tickets on this plane. And that's Dan Aykroyd. No way. A small really? cameo. I can't believe you never knew that. Yeah, that's Dan Aykroyd. I never knew that. I just watched that with my daughter like two weeks ago. Yeah, you don't see his face. There's no close-ups. Oh, okay. So it's just his back or something? Well, you see his, his face from a distance from, from okay. like the side, but it's, there's just no like zoom in. I'm going to YouTube face. that. But yes. I mean, he's doing a British accent. He's playing just this, like British colonel guy. Um, that's Dan Aykroyd. So yeah, he's in Temple of Doom. So now you know that. Harrison Ford is in Temple of Doom. He's also in a movie called Star Wars New Hope. The James Earl Jones, who is in The Other Dreams. What's the Star Wars? What is is that a Yeah, is that well it's uh you know, it's a big thing in the late seventies, but it kinda died out. Um 
It has to do with like a big floating planet destroying ship. And they still make them. Is that a st- still? No, thing? they gave up on it. I mean, they had one, and it was kind of a you know, it was like counterculture hits. You know, it's like a cult phenomenon. But been it didn't, a while didn't since a Star Wars movie. Well, it's I think yeah, they did a, a hard reset. Um, yeah. They're trying to figure out. Okay, I, mean, I guess it's always done... been like three years, but. Well, Feels almost like four now, but that's that's was a long it 2019? time. Was it 2019? Was 2019? I think so. I think it was right okay. before the pandemic because everybody's at theater and I think it, it stopped. So, yeah, I think it was December 2019. But four years is the longest we've been without the a Star Wars movie. same year as Endgame? That movie came out the same year as Endgame? I think so. Correct wow, me. that's I mean, wild. I've said it already, but, like, yeah, I mean, it could be wrong, but I think it's 2019. It's definitely not 2020. What a bummer that movie is, boy. It's, it's awful, uh, but... Before that, between 2015 and 2019, we like never went a year without a Star Wars movie. Right. Yeah, no. It was just like really intense. And then they're like, okay. Well, they've been kicking out the Mandalorian and all that stuff too. So well, yeah, like, the only one that's worth the game is Andor. Um, but yeah, they, they they turn out the stuff. The Boba, the Book of Boba Fett. I didn't see it. I didn't see the most recent season of Mandalorian. Don't care. There's a bunch of animated stuff, but um, yeah. So I had to I had to just take a, a, the quickest, easiest path I could find. Um, but all right, Eric, you ready to to play? Name that movie. I like it. You trademark that? Sure, it's trademarked. You ready? Uh huh. I'm gonna start with the year 1989. 1989. Correct. Okay. So, man, um. I might give you some extra clues because there's a lot of fun ones. I, I don't know if you've heard of this movie or not. I, mean, I think you'll either get it very quickly or you won't get it at all. It depends on how familiar you are with it. Um, so let's see here. Fifth, the 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 fifth credited cast member. So I'm going to go from from the you know least important quote unquote to the most. Number five is John Leguizamo. So that's number five. I'm going to go up one more. Um, this is gonna be yeah, the two part clues. The Spike Lee clues. movie. He, John Leguizamo was in a bunch of Spike Lee movies, right? Oh, we'll get there. One of the clues may or may not be the director. We'll, we'll get there. I'm gonna. This is gonna be a, a two part clue. So this is also part. This is just part two of clue two. Fourth build, John C. Riley. So fifth build, John. Uh, John oh, Leguizamo. I know what this is. I actually just watched this. Oh, jeez. Ca- Casualties oh. of War. Wow. Okay, that was very quick. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like, was gonna be... a month ago I watched this. Wow, okay. Well, I did not watch it a month ago. Have um, you seen it before? No, never have. I It's on Hulu, I think, streaming. Is it the yeah. streamers, right? Yeah, yeah. So I saw it there, I'm like, wait, a war movie starring Michael J. Fox? Never heard of it. Um, looked around, and it's well-regarded. Tarantino said it's the best movie about the Vietnam War, which is really high praise, because there are a lot of great movies about the Vietnam War. So yeah, and we haven't done a war movie. Thought about Glory. I've never. I don't it's know De Palma, right? It's De Palma. Yes, I've yeah, not yeah, seen yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Got a lot yeah. of Brian De, uh, Brian De Palma blind spots. So gonna chip away at that. I do too. He's a guy that. Uh, that's why I watched that. It's like I, I there's so many of his movies. It's like I haven't there's seen. just a bunch of reasons to watch the Michael J. Fox documentary came out not long ago, and like man, it might be a good time to, to check this one out. Thought about the longest day, Eric, which is uh, probably too long of a movie. It's like a three-hour movie all about D-Day. Can I give you a a glimpse of my um, opinion of this movie? Uh, Do you hate it? I think this is Michael J. Fox's best performance. Okay. Even including Back to the Future. Okay. 
Uh, well, that makes me happy that maybe you've got a movie that you're not going to hate and you're going to enjoy talking about and not be miserable. So um, a little, little foreshadowing, a little sneak peek. Okay. Yeah, so and I be- still need to find a movie that you like because that, that hasn't happened for a while. What's I say? I think well, I mean, you just don't like it because I pick it. Is that's what I'm going. No, with, it's but. you literally. You picked my least favorite. Uh, it's just you. You just happened to pick my least favorite Wes Anderson movie and my least favorite. Um, God, what's the David Cronenberg movie? You just you happened to you pick the my least favorite movie from directors that I really genuinely well, the, love. There are ones that I haven't seen, so I, I didn't I know. know how you'd feel about. In hindsight, it. I would have picked the longest day, but I don't think you want to see a three-hour movie all about D Day from everybody's perspective. But I'm going to watch that someday too. But um, so that's time for a war movie. It's like Michael J. Fox. Yes, let's go back to Vietnam. Let's go to now. All right. Let's talk casualties of wars next time. Casualties of war. Sean Penn is insane in that movie. Yeah. Fucking insane. Okay. I was like, right. and the cast list blew me away. It's like John Leguizamo, John C. Riley, very early John Ving C. Riley. Rames is fucking awesome in that movie. I I, I have I'll, uh, sneak peek. Vincent, or uh, not Vincent, uh, Marcellus Wallace is born in that movie. In casualties of war. So we'll talk about that next next week. Okay. Sounds good. All right. Well, if you want to check it out on Hulu, you can watch Casualties of War. Wow. Wow. All right. I'm just going to keep your passport here. Uh, just for it to be safer that way. I don't think it's Bye. Bye.